Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Many times we have more reasons than anybody else to have joy, and yet we walk around like Eeyore. Oh no, it's still 2020. COVID's gonna get me. And I'm here to tell you that God's word says that we don't have to fear that. So um, today I want to talk to you about joy. You know, the first week in, in the season of Advent, there's four weeks. And week number one, I talked to you about the word called hope. And when I talked to you about hope, hope was all about another word. And what was that other word? Waiting. Right? Remember, the kids have to wait 30 days for Christmas for, to get, open up their gifts. Uh, matter of fact, many of our kids, if you, if you grew up in my home, you struggled waiting the rest of Christmas Eve. Because uh, we had this tradition where you could open up one gift on Christmas Eve. You know what that led to? Yeah, that's right. Um, why? Because we don't make us wait six more hours. But that's what hope is all about. Hope is about waiting, waiting on an anticipated end. Well, last week I shared with you another word, the, the second word of Advent, and that is peace. And you know, when it comes to peace, we've got it wrong. We think of peace a lot of times as the absence of conflict, the absence of chaos, the absence of storms in our lives. But really what peace is, when we look at it from the Bible, the Hebrew word is shalom. And what shalom or peace means is um, it's when that which is broken, that which is incomplete is made whole. You know, you experience these seasons of peace in your life where even in the midst of a storm, you realize that, you know what, I've got my family. You realize I've got my help. You realize I've got a Savior that loves me. And you can experience peace no matter what our circumstances tell us. Well, today we're going to talk about joy. And, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray before I, I finish the, the message. And I want you to pray too. And here's what I would encourage you is, uh, while I'm praying, just ask God to open your eyes and to show you what the joy of strength looks like. Because that's what I'm going to share with you is the joy of strength. So let's all pray. And while I'm praying, um, whatever's going on in your life, whatever the storm is, whatever the, the lack of peace that you're, ex that you're experiencing, I want you to take that to God right now in the next 35 seconds and just surrender that to him. You can pick it back up on your way out the door if you want. But right now, surrender it and ask him to help your eyes to open up so that you can see the strength of joy. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just I thank you for the season of Advent. How as the church, we look forward to the, the coming of the, the baby Jesus who would live a perfect life. And then, God, we don't just look to the, the first coming, Lord, but, God, we look 
to the second coming of Jesus Christ. When the trump shall sound, when those who are dead in Christ will rise and those that are alive will be caught up in the air to meet them. But until then, Lord, I just ask now that you would help everyone that's here today, everybody that's watching online. God, that God, open up their eyes and help them to see the strength of joy that you've promised in your scripture. Lord, be with me. Give me the words to speak. Lord, allow the hearts to just be open and receptive to your message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles, open up to the book of Nehemiah, all right? It's going to take you a while to find it, so I'm telling you now, Nehemiah, okay? Um, If you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you'll look in front of you, there are Bibles there, and they are designed... Here at Crossroads, we believe that everybody should have a copy of God's Word. And so I would encourage you, if you walked in here today and you don't own a Bible, all right, not you forgot your Bible, but you don't own a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, I would encourage you to to make that one yours. We'll replace that next week when you come in. There'll be more Bibles, okay? That's a mission um, that we have here. And so I would encourage you to do that. Um, Once you've got a Bible, find the book of Nehemiah and... Uh, while you're doing that, I'm gonna, it's going to be a little while before I get there, but uh, find the book of Nehemiah. Now, when I talk about joy, it's natural for us to have some misconceptions. Just like there was a misconception on peace, there's a misconception when it comes to the word joy. And here's, here's the, the misconception, is that we get confused with happy and joy. And so let me just kind of give you a couple of examples of what happiness looks like and what joy looks like and the difference between the two. And the first one is this, happiness is external, where joy is internal. It comes from within. Um, happiness is based on our circumstances. Is life good? Is the storm ra- uh, not raging? Whereas when we look at joy, it defies the circumstances. It doesn't matter if your health is good or bad, you can still have joy. It doesn't matter if you've lost a loved one or all of your family is with you. You can still have joy. Why? Because happiness is by chance. It's an accident. It's something that you trip over, and joy is by choice. You choose joy. And today when you walk out of here, I hope that everybody decides to choose joy for this rest of the season of Advent. Happiness is having what I want, and joy is wanting what I have. Happiness is a result or it's an effect, whereas joy is the reason. It causes things to happen. Happiness is momentary, and joy is long-lasting. Amen? Happiness is cosmetic. It's something that's on the surface. Joy is character. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Happiness says, show me. Joy says, I'll show you. Happiness says, when I see it, I'll believe it. And joy says, I believe it, and I'm going to act like it's already here. You see, happiness is smiling when the sun is out and it's a beautiful day. Joy is dancing in the rain. And you know what? We, in 2020, we need a little bit more joy. You know what? You didn't have to wait until the third week of Advent to have joy. Joy is something that is the expectation of everyone who calls themselves a Christ follower. Everybody who has experienced what is to come in the next life. We should be filled with joy. 
So uh, how do we do that? How do we get this fullness of joy? Well, there's a Bible verse in Psalms chapter 28 and verse 7. You don't have to turn there. It's on the screen. Psalm 28 and verse 7 says these words. The Lord is my strength. And now here's what I want to do is I want to change that up just a little bit. What it should read or could read is the joy of the Lord is my strength and shield. Now think about that. Strength is your offense, your ability to attack. And when you have the joy of the Lord, you have that strength no matter what the circumstances are. And then at the same time, it's a shield. It's there to defend us and to protect us. The Bible says from the fiery darts of the enemy. And I'm here to tell you, it's here to protect you from um, anything that's going on bad in your life, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual. That's what the joy of the Lord does for us. And because of that, the psalmist David said this, I trust him with my whole heart, all my heart, not just a little bit, all my heart. I trust him even when I haven't seen the, the, the end. I trust him even when I'm going through the valley. I trust him even when I got bad news from the doctor. I trust him no matter what's going on in my life. And because of that, it says he helps me and my heart is filled with joy. You know, we saw that yesterday. We had a Tigger here in the building, but he didn't look like Tigger. He looked like a, a snowman. And, and he was running all over the place, you know. And, and so I, we could have painted stripes on him and everyone would have thought that he was Tigger. But yeah, he was a tall snowman. See, that's what joy looks like. That's what excitement. Why? Because here's what we, we see. We see that when we have joy, it says that I burst in songs of thanksgiving. Last Sunday night, I got on a call. And when I got on that call, thank you, Colton. When I got on that call, I saw joy. I saw a young man that was, he had the, the music pumping, and he was just jamming. And this went on for a couple of songs. And the guy, I mean, you couldn't help, but it was contagious. Do you know joy is contagious? Yes. Man, I would encourage you, if you have not heard of Legacy Builders, check it out. Ask uh, either the Joshes, matter of fact, all the guys that have been on Legacy Builders, I see Nathan and Michael here. Um, they look, uh, raise your hand, guys, and then I want every man to look around. This is, reach out to one of these guys and find out what this is all about and see what joy looks like and realize that, man, we don't have to go through life alone. You know, a lot of times, guys, we, we tell ourselves that. I'm the man of the house. Everybody's looking at me. They're counting on me. You know what? And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to separate you and get you by yourself and discourage you and then overcome and kill and destroy. Surround yourself with men of God, especially men who are experiencing joy. Now, if you found the book of Nehemiah, go ahead and open up your Bibles there. And chapter eight is where I'm going to read from. In Nehemiah chapter 8, it reminds me of, has anyone ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Where every day he woke up, it was the same scenario again and again and again, and nothing changed. Uh, one of my new favorite um, Christmas movies is called The Twelve Dates of Christmas. And so this young lady experiences 
like a groundhog day in the Christmas season until um, she makes all the right decisions and, and then it goes on to the next day. Well, Nehemiah here and the children of Israel, they experienced a groundhog year. They lived the same year over and over again. It was like 2020 for them. Could you imagine 2020 happening again next year? Could you imagine? Just, just think about this. If you woke up on January 1st and all of the calendars, all of the clocks, everything that you saw in media said January 1st, 2020. Well, that's what happened to the children of Israel. But it wasn't 2020. Here's what happened. For 70 years, they, they were in captivity in Babylon. For 70 years, they did not and could not escape. Now, let me tell you why they were there for 70 years. Because they robbed God. See, the way the children of Israel, every seventh year, they were supposed to rest. It was a Sabbath year. And over a 490-year period, they never took off the Sabbath year. And here's what I want you to understand as Christian: If you're not a Christian, you don't have to worry about this. But those of us who call Christ our Savior, he expects us to act accordingly. And when we don't, he takes it. And he did this to the children of Israel. And he told them, because of those 70 Sabbaths that you skipped, I'm going to allow the land to rest. I'm going to pull you out of the land. And for 70 years, they experienced Groundhog Day. Groundhog Year. Let me read to you. So now they have been given permission to leave Babylon, and they are wanting to rebuild the wall that surrounds. It's the first thing to, to set up the protection. In verse 1, I'll start reading. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. And Ezra the priest brought or the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday. Now, folks, you know, uh, we spend an hour here, and some of you guys struggle for that hour. Early morning. Do you know what early morning means? That's right, early morning. When, when the sun rises, when light comes out. And so from that time, he was reading the law of Moses until midday. And in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Verse 4, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooded platform. Have you ever wondered why we build churches? You're about to see church in 2020 based on Nehemiah chapter 8. And he stood on a wooden platform so that everybody could see him and so that those in the back could hear him. And they made it for that purpose. You jump over to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people because of that, that platform. 
and he opened it up and all the people stood. Have you ever been into a church and where right before the pastor gets up, they'll read a passage and they'll ask everybody to stand? Have you ever wondered, like, do I have to be standing when they read God's word or not? And, and so the, the answer is no, you don't have to. But the answer is you can if you want to. And so sometimes you'll see churches, they'll do that. Will you stand for the reading of God's word? And then the people will stand. This is where this came from, folks. In verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Have you ever been in a church and you heard somebody yelling, Amen, brother? Yes, that's, that's like saying sick them to a preacher. All right? And so this is where it's happening. The people are seeing, what does the word amen mean? What he said exactly, do it, yes, again, one more time. Continuing in verse 6, they said amen, amen, lifting up their hands. Folks, I know we're Baptists, but we're allowed to do that. All right, it's in the Bible, okay? And they bowed their heads. Do we do that? Yes. Not only that, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so many times you'll see we, there'll be people up here at the end of a service and they'll, they'll get on their knees and they'll put their face to the ground. Why do we do that? We've had this example from the children of Israel. In verse 7, and all these guys that I can't pronounce their names helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book and the law of God clearly and gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Verse 9, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Why were the people weeping when they... when? Ezra was reading the law and while these other guys were reading the law to them. Here's why. Because they realized that their grandma and their grandpa had made some bad decisions during that 490 year time. And because of those bad decisions, they and their children and their children's children had to suffer for 70 years in captivity in Babylon. Why would they do all that? Why would they weep? Because they're looking back and they're regretting what happened. And so here's what I want you to understand is because this is the words that they gave to the children of Israel that you don't have to look back on your life and look back on your bad decisions and look back on the times where you know what you you really phoned it in. You don't have to look back on a bad relationship and and cry and mourn and convince yourself that you're Eeyore and that you have to suffer because you made these bad decisions. Instead, we can do what verse 10 says. And verse 10, everybody, you look up at the screen now. You're going to see it. Because these are the words that Nehemiah pronounced. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods. What does this sound like? Sounds like Thanksgiving or maybe Christmas. And sweet drinks. I didn't know they had eggnog back then, but apparently they did. And share the gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. You know, we do that as a church. We find uh, families that have need and we deliver meals. We find families that need beds and we deliver beds. 
Why? Because this is a sacred day. This is a holy day before the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that in 2020, on this Sunday morning, that you need to go and celebrate. You need to find some rich foods. Those aren't good for you. You need to find some sweet drinks. Coca-Cola is okay. And you need to share gifts with those who don't have any. Share food with those who don't have meals. Share with those who are in need. Why? Because this is a sacred day. This is a holy day. And let me remind you, don't be dejected and sad. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, if you don't realize that you can have the joy of the Lord, that it's a choice, it's not based on your circumstance, it's not based on your bad decisions, it's not based on anything else, you have the ability to live a life full of joy. Amen. So why don't we? You know why? Because it's 2020. So let me give you a little bit of perspective in 2020. When it comes to 2020, there's a a quote out there by James Lavelle, and it says this. Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. And some people wonder what just happened. You know, that's exactly what was happening here in Nehemiah. The people understood. Some of you today understand. Matter of fact, there is a a poll that Gallup uh, just released where it said that those who continue to attend church in 2020, that their mental health is better and increased this year. No other group that they they, uh, surveyed had that happen to them. You know what? God's word is faithful. God's word is true. And there's something about coming together, elbow to elbow, and watching. You know what? I said joy was contagious. And when you're by yourself, think about it. Many of you have had a quarantine for 14 days. You were by yourself. That was the best 14 days you had, wasn't it? Not by a long shot. For those 14 days, you wanted nothing better than to spend it with somebody. Maybe just an hour. You wanted just a little bit. And here's the reality. Some of you understand. Some of you understand that joy is a choice. And let me ask you this. Where and what is your water gate? You know, just like the children of Israel, I think for years to come that that moms and dad would bring their children to the water gate and, and, and they told them, you know what, 20 years ago, Ezra stood right here And he read God's law. And and Johnny and Billy, I want you guys to understand that great-grandma and great-grandpa made some bad decisions. And we had to pay for that as captives in Babylon. But God was merciful. What's your Watergate look like? You know, some of you, it might be your drive to work every morning. And where you, 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 you might turn on something. There, there's a, go, go to YouTube and, and do a search on above inspiration. Oh, they got some powerful 12-minute video clips and, and just a, a 
a conglomeration of people that are lifting up. Matter of fact, they've got one that says, don't start your day without listening to this. And it's all about scripture. It's all about God. But you need to find a water gauge. You need to find that anchor that you go to. It might be a rocking chair in your house. It might be a room where nobody else bothers you. Where you can open up God's word. And you can hear from it. And he can restore the joy that the enemy has stolen. Let me ask you this. If, you, if, 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 you, if I could show you God's will for your life, would you live it out? All right, well, I'm going to ask that question again because two of you heard me. If, if I could show you God's will for your life, would you live it out? All right, well, let me show. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says these words. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All right, so if God's word is saying this, it's true. This is God's will for those of you who call yourselves a Christian. And I promise you, it's not to act like Eeyore. I promise you, it's not to act like 2020, the end is coming. Folks, we, we've read Revelations. 2020 ain't got nothing on Revelations. Matter of fact, when revelations happen, they're going to be, man, I wish it were 2020. I wish my problem was I didn't have toilet paper. <laughs> for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. See those three dots in front of the four? That means that there's words before that. Let me show you what those words say. Always be joyful. Always keep on praying. And no matter what happens, always be thankful. That is God's will for your life. Always be joyful. Always keep praying. And always be thankful. Now let me just... Don't raise your hand. Don't elbow anybody. Don't look at them. But this past year, have you always been joyful? I'm here to tell you, I had a low point this week. There was about a six-hour window where, where joy wasn't in my life. And I, I prayed. I said, God, I need a little help here. And he sent some help. And I got back to God's will to be always joyful. Always praying. Always thankful. See, that's what we're supposed to do. That's if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you cannot. You are in sin. You are backslidden if you're walking around like you are. You know why your friends don't want to come to church with you? Because they don't see the joy of the Lord. If they saw the joy of the Lord in your life, they'd be like putting you in a headlock. You're taking me Sunday, aren't you? I'm going to leave you with this challenge. I'm going to give you an exercise. All right, I know that some of you, that's a bad word. But I'm, I'm going to give you an exercise to practice from now until the end of the year. 
And I want you to exercise your spiritual eyes. Do you remember just a little while ago I asked you to pray and ask God to open up your eyes? This is what I was referring to. And here's what I want to do is I want you to exercise your spiritual eyes. And I want you to look at your circumstances with the eyes of faith. See, you can't have peace without having faith, right? So I want you to be able to exercise your eyes. I want you to be able to see with faith. Because here's, remember last week, the story about the father who brought his son to Jesus and Jesus was up on the mountain and the disciples that were left couldn't do a thing about it. And what did he say to Jesus when Jesus says, what are you talking about if I can? He says, all right, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. And so what I want you to, I want you to exercise right now your spiritual eyes. And I want, you to, I, I want you to ask God, God, I need your help. And you fill in the blank. I need your help with my daughter, my son. I need your help with my job. I need your help. I, I need some money in the bank account, Lord. And whatever your problem is, I want you to ask God to open up your eyes and to help your unbelief. Because I know it's there. I know you're hurting. I know that as much as we sing Christmas carols, at some point the Christmas carols turn off. And then life happens. And here's what I want you to ask God. To help you to see what could be. What could be if with that relationship? What could be with that job that you don't even know God's setting up for you right now? What could be with that check that the USPS system has lost? But they're going to find it soon. A friend called yesterday and he, he asked me, he goes, hey, did you get our Christmas card that we sent to you? Tom, no, I didn't. He goes, well, you call me when you do. And then yesterday afternoon, there was a Christmas card. Now, I'm not telling you what was inside that Christmas card. Sorry. I can't. But there was something that made me and my wife laugh out loud. Now, you know um, that LOL, that's what that means. I thought for the longest time that it meant something else. I thought that it means lots of laughter. And so when I would see somebody post that on Facebook or I'd get a text and I'd go, oh, lots of laughter, you know, like, like Santa Claus. Ho, 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 ho. What's a lot? Ho, ho. But it means laugh out loud. And we laughed out loud. Not a hint. I can't do that. Stand to your feet. Forty-five seconds, folks. Exercise your spiritual eyes. The way that you exercise your spiritual eyes is to close your physical eyes. And while you're, you've got your eyes closed, just listen to, to what I'm sharing with you. Worship team, come on forward. What is it that you're missing in your life that, that's keeping the peace from coming? What is it that, what do you need from God 
Who are you missing this Christmas season? Exercise your spiritual eyes. And ask God to help you see your circumstance the way he sees it. You see, because God sees the victory. God sees what's coming. God, he knows that you've got to wait another 35 days. And he's just like that parent who knows what's in that wrapped gift. And the, he sees the anxiety that you are bringing into your life every day. And right now, exercise your spiritual eyes and ask God to open up your spiritual eyes and see what could be in your life. Maybe you need to say, Lord, help my unbelief right now because I just don't think that it's going to work out. I just don't understand God while I'm here. I don't understand how I get out of this pit that I fell into. He wants to be there for you. He wants. Matter of fact, some of you, he's got his hand down there. And if you would just stand up and reach up, he could pull you out of that pit right now. If that's you and you're here today and you need something from God, you need God to restore the joy in your life. You need to experience the strength that joy is promised to us. Raise your hand. Allow me to pray for you right now. Go ahead. Put your hands down. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've seen those hands and hearts. God, I ask that in the season of Advent that you take that joy, that your Holy Spirit, that their eyes would be open, that they would see the plans that you have for them, the plans to prosper them and not to hurt them. God, I pray that they would see your shield of faith in defense of the enemy who's firing everything he's got against them. And all he wants them to do is stay away from church. All he wants them to do is to give up on that family member who needs. God, I pray that you would show them the strength of joy. Lord, just as David had asked uh, to, to restore and renew the joy of his salvation, God, I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room, in this worship center, or they're watching online today or whenever this happened, God, that you would restore the joy of salvation to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 